Hello, Monetization Nation. This is Nathan Gwilliam, and I am live streaming from Orlando, Florida at the Conference uh, of Funnel Hacking Live. This is my favorite digital uh, marketing conference. I've even spoken at, at numerous of these types of conferences, and uh, this is by far my favorite. Uh, I had forgotten how much I as I walk around amongst these people and network and talk with these people, how much I feel like they're my people. And I love uh, being here with, with my tribe. Today was the first day. The event started at 1 p.m. and it went until uh, very late. It's now after 11 p.m. I've gotten back to my hotel room and, and put together uh, my key takeaways from my notes today. Uh, they definitely gave us a lot of value uh, from our purchase price. So the first presentation today was from Russell Brunson. And he began by talking, by dating a quote that said, surround yourself with the dreamers and the doers, the believers and thinkers, but most of all, surround yourself with those who see the greatness within you, even when you don't see it yourself. Russell then went on and told us about Dave Woodward. Dave is the CEO of ClickFunnels, and about two months ago, Dave had a doctor's appointment. After the appointment, Russell walked into Dave's office and found Dave on his knees praying. Dave told Russell uh, that he had just been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Dave soon after had that tumor removed and is now recuperating. So Dave is not here at Funnel Hacking Live. And uh, Dave has asked all of the funnel hackers to pray for him. Russell then talked about four levels of value. These are basically four different ways that we can earn money. The first level is implementation. That's using our muscles, where we're, we're trading our, our physical efforts for $4, and that often can tap out at maybe thirty dollars to $50,000 a year. The next level in providing value and, and earning income is the unification level. And, and we do that through management skills, by bringing people together and, and producing uh, an output as a team. And that might tap out at fifty dollars to $150,000 of, of income, at least here in the United States. Uh, the next level up is communication or, or generating uh, income and value through our mouth, through, through sales and, and, and talking and teaching other people. And then the highest level is imagination. Uh, and that's where we use our mind uh, to create money and we use our money to create money. We, we have a vision and we create something. And, and for this, there is no top and no ceiling. Russell talked about how an entrepreneur is someone who takes personal responsibility for a problem that isn't their own. Uh, most people in the world today run away from problems. However, the entrepreneur is different because they see the problem in the market and say, this one is mine. And they see it as an opportunity to solve that problem and, and create value and, and wealth. Uh, entrepreneurship is not directly correlated with performance in school. That was a point Russell made today. He shared with everyone that he had a 2.3 uh, GPA and a C average in his marketing class. And for the, the people outside the United States, that, that's a, a pretty middle of the road to, to low side of, of test scoring. And uh, imagine the greatness that he's been able to achieve 
even though he, he didn't perform in a, a formal school environment. Russell taught us that he believes each of us have been called by God to serve a group of people. Uh, he taught us that it, it may not be the first funnel that succeeds, but if we stick with it, we'll be able to find our group of people where we're called to serve. He shared a quote from Napoleon Hill, who talks about definiteness of purpose. The quote is, there is one quality which one must possess to win, and that is definiteness of purpose, the knowledge of what one wants and a burning desire to possess it, unquote. We have to decide and say exactly what we want. We can't just say, I want to lose weight or I, I want to make a million dollars, right? We, we have to be very specific about uh, what we want and, and the path that we are going to take to get it. Russell talked about 98% of people in the world today being drifters. And that actually came from Napoleon Hill he was, he was teaching from. He said only about 2% of people move forward with definiteness. If you make decisions out of fear, that is drifting. And the majority of society today has shifted to fear. And we see that in the media all over the place. Uh, the characteristics of a non-drifter are definiteness of purpose, mastery over self, learning from adversity, controlling environmental influence, positive thoughts, and thinking before we act. And on the opposite side, the six most effective fears, uh, according to Napoleon Hill, are poverty, criticism, ill health, loss of love, fear of old age, and fear of death. Russell then moved on and talked about a concept from the book Atlas Shrugged. Russell likes this book a lot, and, and you'll hear him talking about it a lot. He talks about prime movers, and a prime mover is something inside of a physical object which literally causes it to move, create, or achieve, like an engine within a train. And Russell talked about how entrepreneurs are prime movers in this society. The change that needs to happen to improve our world uh, will happen through entrepreneurship, as opposed to other more traditional organizations like government, according to Russell. Uh, Atlas carried the world on his shoulders, and often entrepreneurs feel like they're carrying the world on their shoulders. Russell quoted Shakespeare, who said, Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Russell talked about how his mission, the mission of the ClickFunnels organization, is to be there for us to help support entrepreneurs. Russell recommended that we read Think and Grow Rich and Outwit, Outwit the Devil, uh, both of them by Napoleon Hill. Then Todd Dickerson, the ClickFunnels original software creator and the business partner of Russell, joined Russell on stage and they spoke together. They talked about the growth of ClickFunnels, how ClickFunnels now has more than 100,000 active members, how ClickFunnels has generated more than $7.3 billion in sale through the platform, and more than $3 billion have been generated since the last Funnel Hacking Live conference. They shared how 1,500 total uh, entrepreneurs, or 1,500 total um, awards for the Two Comma Club have been given out. And those are people that have created a funnel that have generated more than $1 million. And 720 of those awards have given been given out since the last Funnel Hacking Live, well over one per day. Uh, the Two Comma Club X Award, which you have to create a funnel that generates more than $10 million, has had more than 138 winners, with 82 of those winners um, achieving that award since the last Funnel Hacking Live conference. 
Russell and Todd talked about how they were approached by selling ClickFunnels. They didn't say who it was, but uh, based on a picture they had up on the screen, I think it was SAP. And they alluded to a phone call they received where someone had wanted to buy ClickFunnels for a billion dollars. They flew to San Francisco with a group of CEOs. Actually, uh, Todd did not go with them. And, and then the night before they were supposed to get their offer, they'd been told by SAP they were going to get the offer or whoever the buyer was. Um, that night, uh, Russell flew to Todd's house and they met together and talked together and they decided that they didn't want to sell. They decided they had a lot more to do. And so, uh, and tonight they talked about ClickFunnels 2.0 and so maybe 18 months to a year ago, they, they had this meeting and, and walked away from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, but instead they decided to take ClickFunnels to the next level. They, they had a much larger vision. They wanted to move to a bigger range of features and possibilities. They wanted to eliminate what sucks about uh, running a business. They wanted to focus on scaling, uh, speed, usability, and future growth. They've, they've worked a lot on automating best practices and making uh, business online easier for everyone. So tomorrow at the event, uh, they will unveil ClickFunnels 2.0 and take us through the software. Uh, then Todd left the stage and Russell took us through an advanced funnel, funnel audible. So uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with American football, um, an audible is when the quarterback, who's usually the leader of the team, uh, changes the play at the line of scrimmage. They, it's when they've called a play and they go and they're about to execute the play, but something's not right. Maybe the defensive formation isn't going to work with the play they called. And so the quarterback calls an audible or he, he changes the play audibly. And so Russell took us through a funnel audible about how to improve funnel conversions and share some of his secrets and strategies for helping us improve conversion rates of funnels. So he started off by sharing a story of a failure he had when he lost the first wrestling match of his senior year. He, he had told everybody that he was going to win the state championship in wrestling. And he lost the first match of the season. And the guy that he lost the match to had come in second in state the previous year. And he was discouraged and depressed and embarrassed and and uh, kind of was, was moping and pouting, went to bed, and his dad stayed up and watched the film of, of uh, that wrestling match. And in the morning, um, his dad helped him figure out what he did wrong. And they practiced that move and, and, and the things he did wrong and the things he needed to do to improve to, to beat that competitor. And they practiced that for four months. And at the end of the season, uh, Russell faced that same competitor in the state finals match and beat the same competitor. And he even beat him with the same move that the competitor had beaten him with um, in, in the first match of the season. And the point there is we shouldn't give up after our first failure. Russell talked about how when he launched ClickFunnels, the software, he's this funnel master, you know, has the software to help people build funnels. And the first funnel failed and the second funnel failed. And it wasn't until the sixth funnel that they finally got it right. So he encourages us to not quit after the first or the second or third funnel or failure.
He taught us to not build confusing funnels. He taught us to create simple funnels that are easy to test over and over again. And when they're really complex and there's too, much, too many moving parts, it's too hard to tell where to fix and improve. But when you have a simple funnel that just goes page to page, um, it, it's much easier to optimize and improve that. So his secret number one for optimizing funnels is to understand marketing math. And the, the first number he said we needed to understand was CPA. And that stands for cost per acquisition. The second number we need to know is C, excuse me, ACV, which is the average cart value. How much money does that customer spend in the funnel on average? The CPA needs to be less than the ACV. In other words, the cost we spend to acquire a customer on average needs to be lower than the cost to, that we generate from them. Uh, secret number two is finding the control. And this is a new concept I have not heard Russell talk a lot about. The control is basically the baseline. It's the, the funnel that is working well. And the goal is to get to a control, get to a funnel that's working well as quick as possible. And he was teaching us how to get to that. And then once we have the control, we can always be working to test and improve that control. But we've got to get to that control initially. Secret number three was how to increase the ACV. He talked about how Apple and Facebook have been in a big fight that has caused the CPA or the cost per acquisition to go up a lot. Um, he talked about how ultimately the business uh, that can spend the most to acquire a customer wins. And the source for that is Dan Kennedy, who's one of Russell's heroes. Uh, with the funnel, one of the goal, big goals of the funnel is to increase the average cart value. And he taught us the concept of potential ACV, so potential average cart value. So that basically means when you create a funnel and you might have three or four or five different things people can buy in that funnel, you add all of them together and if everybody bought everything, or if, if one person bought everything um, that was offered to them in that funnel, um, you add all that together, that is the potential ACV. Um, and we can work to increase that potential ACV by adding more offers into the funnel. He, he did tell us to beware of upsell hell, which he defines as adding lots of pages in the funnels. And I've seen funnels like this, where you have to go through 13 or 15 or 18 different upsells that they're trying to sell you. And he talked about, we, we might even be able to make more money with those kinds of funnels, but people are going to hate us in the long term if we do that. So that is, is not advisable. We need to focus on the long-term customer value and not just the short-term you know, initial revenue. He gave an example of airlines that upgrade from coach seats to first class. So many of us as entrepreneurs, we only offer coach seats. We only offer a product. And we need to seek for first-class upgrades uh, that we can upsell. He also encouraged us that when we write the copy or the webinar or the pitch, that we only sell one thing. Um, he's found in his research that as you sell, try to sell multiple things in the same pitch, um, you actually make a lot less money instead of more. Um, however, after the pitch, you can actually show... Uh, multiple offers on the funnel page. You might have a, 
a bronze package and a silver package and a gold package and, and, uh, and give them options that weren't part of the pitch. Um, he also talked about how lately he's been testing two order form bumps and seeing success with that. He's been adding offers on the thank you page and he's been putting webinars on thank you pages as well and, and seeing su success with that. Secret number four that he talked about in, in better converting our funnels is to decrease the CPA or the cost per acquisition. So we go back to that original formula where we need the cost to be lower than the average cart value. And so we can either increase the average cart value or we can decrease the cost per acquisition. Um, he says making ads is the secret for making money in your company. And it kind of became a little rallying cry tonight where some people's key takeaway was make two more ads, right? You need to keep making more, more ads to find the variations um, that are going to perform and, and keep refreshing those ad concepts. He told a story of, of Dean Graciosi. Um, Russell had created a book funnel and Dean Graciosi had, had ha funnel hacked or copied almost identically that same funnel, but Dean Graciosi was making four times more book sales than, than Russell was. So Russell called Dean, tried to figure out what was going on, and Russell figured out that Dean was creating ads every day where Russell was creating an, on a much more sparingly level. So Russell's team started creating a ton of ads and started selling as many books as Dean. So just having a variety of ads and testing many ads in Russell's situation was able to 4X the number of, of book sales that they were generating. Russell talked about seven types of successful ads, and this was from some research from Chamber, research, from Chamber Media. Uh, the first type of, of ads that do well are spokesperson ads. So that's a person explaining the product. The second type is the product demo ad where you're demonstrating the value of, of your product or service to the customer. The third type of ad is social proof. That's, that's a, some kind of credible source like I, I talk about a lot on this show. Um, some customer who's maybe used it already is giving a review or a recommendation. Uh, the next type of ad are closer ads where you help the user overcome objections. The next type of ad is the case study ad where you show the product being used in everyday life. And the next type of ad is the lifestyle ad where you show how a product increases the quality of life for your customer. And the last is the unboxing ad where you show the experience around actually getting the product. And so when Russell is creating all these different types of ads, he, he kind of goes through these seven different variations or formats of ads and, and tries to, to create ads for, for each of these different types. Secret number five for improving the conversion of our funnels that Russell taught us about tonight was a new statistic I had not heard about and it was called earnings per click. And I know that's a statistic within ClickFunnels um, that's, that's prominent on the dashboard. And Russell talked about if, if that statistic is not high enough, that means that there's a brick wall on the landing page. There's something that's blocking people from going through. And he says most, most of the testing he does is on the landing page and that a high EPC or earnings per click means we have an offer that we can scale. He went through and, and then talked about the, the different tests 
that he does to optimize a page and how they've kind of simplified this process. So there's really four tests that they're doing to the homepage and they focus on these four things and they tend to be able to get a page where it needs to be with, with these four tests. So the first test of a funnel is, is to test radically different landing page styles. Um, and then the winner of, of that test becomes the control. Then they test radically different headlines and the winner of that becomes the control. The third test is for radically different offers, maybe just a book and then maybe a book with a shirt, right? Trying, trying very different offers and the winner of that becomes the control. And then the fourth test is to test radically different leads and the winner becomes the control. Then secret number six that Russell talked about was letting the market vote with their credit cards. He said that the only people whose opinion matters is the customer and let them vote with their credit cards. He says a lot of times people come to him and ask him um, what they think of their funnel before they've even launched it. And, and he says, don't listen to anything I have to say now, launch it and see how it does because I might mess up something that's working. You, you've got to figure out how the customers vote with their credit card first. He said that we need to take the potential ACV and invest that into ads to do the initial testing. So that's the, the amount of advertising we put up front at risk. He told the story of somebody or, or maybe an aggregate story of people that come to him and say, you know, I've, I've spent $80,000 advertising my funnel and, and lost $80,000. And Russell's point is, well, couldn't you have figured that out with a few hundred dollars? Why did you have to spend $80,000 if it wasn't working? So you've got to figure it out quickly, put enough money behind it, you can have a good statistical, statistical sample and, uh, and figure out if it's not working and then fix it instead of keeping running a funnel that isn't working. So he says, if something isn't working, the way to fix that something um, is either the hook, the story, or the offer. And they'll look at whatever page isn't converting the way it needs to, and they'll look at the hook, the story, and the offer, and figure which of those needs to be improved, and then they'll run another test with that. And then secret no number seven that Russell taught us about was funnel stacking. So that's the concept of putting multiple funnels together. People might buy your first product, which is a book, and then you upsell them to the next product, which is a, a challenge funnel. And then you upgrade them to the next product, which is a, a, a membership site. And the next product, which is a course, right? And those are different funnels, but you are moving people from one funnel to the next. And what that allows is you may break even on the first book funnel, but, but then you have the customer relationship. You don't have to pay to acquire the customer again. And you then move them to, to the next funnel in the process. The next speaker that we had today was Anthony Trucks. And, and it was kind of cool to see him on stage uh, because Anthony agreed to meet with me this morning and I did a one-on-one -on -one interview with him uh, for my Monetization Nation show. And uh, that will be, be airing uh, sh shortly. I, I don't know what day it's gonna air, but I um, was very grateful to, to meet him personally. And on stage, he was very dynamic. Anthony uh, wrote a book called Identity Shift. Anthony was a foster child that was abused and tortured in the foster care system. Anthony is a former NFL player and he talks about secrets of identity shift. 
And his first secret was about identity, identity gaps. And that's where who, who we want to be and who we are, are are widely different. He tells a story of how he was adopted at age 14. And then at age 15, he heard two girls talk about him, saying that the reason he was so bad was because he was a foster child. Um, he, he made a commitment. Well, he, he used that as, as kind of a story he told himself. Um, and, uh, and he talked about that being the gap. He says, when something feels off, that's the gap between who you are and who you're trying to become. Secret number two he talked about was identity walls. And he talked about how we're not, how we get stuck and we're not able to close those gaps. He says at 15, he felt like a kid who could be good at football, um, but he wasn't. He played it for two years and he was horrible. And instead of quitting, he decided he wanted to be great. And he paid the price and did what it took. And ultimately he earned a college scholarship to play. And um, at 20 years old, he was a freshman in college. He didn't believe he could be a starter. And there was a redshirt senior who was, who was slated to be the starter in his position. And he had to figure out what he had to do that was out of character to be able to beat this fifth-year senior. Um, then he wanted to play in the NFL. But he didn't believe, and, and he ultimately beat out that senior and, and was the starter for that team. Then he wanted to play in the NFL, and he believed foster kids couldn't play in the NFL. He said that 70 75% of the prison population was in foster care, and I have not verified that statistic from him. Um, but, but he overcame that, and he did what it took, and he played in the NFL. Um, then in his third year, he tore his shoulder and he couldn't play anymore. And his life was, was kind of a shambles. And he decided that, that he wanted to start a business. He didn't want a boss, um, but he felt that he wasn't an entrepreneur. He felt that um, if he started a business, he would fail. But he said entrepreneurs lean in, and he decided to lean into it, and he started his business. And about nine months into it, his best friend and his wife both told him to quit. But he continued on, and uh, he ended up building and selling a very successful uh, gym. At every level, it wasn't a matter of what he knew to do. He didn't, he said, we know what we need to do daily, so why aren't we doing it, right? It's, it's not a lack of knowing what we need to do, it's, it's bridging this gap and doing what we, what we know we need to do, that execution. He recommended two simple questions that we should ask ourselves, two very powerful questions. Number one, what would the person who has everything I want in life do in the same situation? And number two, if my hero followed me around for a day, what would they say? He talked about a bias that he has that we must get something in return for what we invest in life. That the, the time and the effort and the energy we, we invest into something um, uh, must give us that, that return. He talked about climbing those identity walls happened by me by creating opportunities in his life through his actions. So actions are the way to climb the identity walls. 
He said, what create, excuse me, he said, what you create creates you. He taught us that out of character work shifts you into that new character, that new identity. He said, sometimes we feel the gap is too much to bridge. And he talked about when he lost everything, when he was injured in the NFL. He was also divorced with three kids. And that's when he had to make the greatest shift in his life. His third secret is the identity shift. And how do we get to the point that we can make that identity shift? We, we have to make an effort to invest to get the return in our lives. And ultimately, he remarried his wife after being divorced for three years. And he encouraged us to close the gap between who we are and who we want to be and to be the person that can make that shift happen. Then uh, the next speaker was Caitlin Pullen. Caitlin is an amazing entrepreneur, um, one of the best entrepreneurs I've ever heard speak. She's the CEO of Lady Boss Weight Loss and is so inspiring. You've heard of the Inc. 500 list, the fastest 500 growing companies in America. Her company is number four on that list. Um, So what she talked about was how to sell both physical and virtual products. Or as I call that in my teaching, we need to have a diversified product portfolio. A lot of times people niche themselves into one thing and they say, you know, I'm an e-commerce company or I'm a a coaching company. And what she said is you need to not be in the business of of one of those things like coaching or or e-commerce. You need to be in the business of serving your customer business. And with this strategy, she's grown to more than $160 million of annual revenue. She says her secret is customer obsession, knowing and giving customers exactly what they want. She said in the beginning she got stuck selling digital products and and they defined themselves as only a digital product seller and, and she felt that that handicapped her. She said that there were opportunities they, they had that their customers were asking for, but they felt they had to stay in their lane. People would ask for supplements or coaching or things like that. And they said, that's not what we do. We, we sell uh, digital products. And she said it wasn't until they started listening to their customers that they realized that they're not in the business of selling products. They're in the business of serving their customers. So they let go of that identity of being just an information products company and started serving their customers and asking their customers what they wanted. They started listening and using that customer input and data. She encouraged the the three questions should be, um, who is it that we serve? Number two is what is the goal that they are trying to reach? And number three is what do they want or what do they want or need to reach that goal? Uh, She talked about prospect over product. It's more important to focus on the customer and what they want than trying to sell a product. So she talked about surveying their demographic and using the answers uh, to create the products. She talked about taking the biggest problems that the customer said they had and solving those problems inside their products. She talked about listening uh, to her customers and using their words in their marketing. She says that as you, as you ask the customers what their problems are, and then you take those answers and you use those in your marketing materials, it, it gives you the copy, the exact copy you need um, to use. She listened to what the customers were saying and they developed 
a clothing or physical products line, which now generates seven figures a year. She listened to their customers and they launched a coaching line, which now generates seven figures a year. She listened to the customers and they developed a live event that's now the largest driver of their coaching program. She then listened again and they created a supplement line. And that supplement line has become the biggest driver of the company's revenue now. She kept surveying them over, over, over and over again. She would ask them, what do you want? What would make you excited? She says, with this model, you don't have to guess. You are asking the customers what you want and then you're giving them what they're telling you they want. She says, the customers are ecstatic because you give them what they want. Um, she asked a rhetorical question. Do you know how much it's worth to have the information of what customers want before you launch the product? It's, it's a much greater way to be successful in your product launches. She talked about listening and how listen, listening is the magic. Uh, she talked about some different ways to listen. Uh, her favorite way is their Facebook group. Um, she says that's their best asset. She listens in other groups on the same topic. So if she's in the weight loss space, she'd look at other people's weight loss groups and see what other people are saying. And she also listens through customer service emails. She encouraged us to think outside the box. She, she gave us an example of looking for what our customers are already buying from other companies. She said in her case, 60% of their customers were buying protein bars from other companies. And so it made it very easy for them to, to launch a protein bar line. She asked, what, are your, what problems are your customers facing that can be solved with your products? But she encourages not to launch crappy stuff, to have good quality and good price. She warned us to be careful because as entrepreneurs, we often have lots of great ideas. And she said, don't try them all at once. In fact, she says they do one product and follow it through to completion. And when they're done, they focus on the next product. They don't try to do multiple products at the same time. She talked about how they survey their customers all the time. They ask their customers what they want. They ask them how they want it. And then they let their customers vote on the options. She had a specific question that she encouraged we use to to survey our customers. She, she gave this question as, uh, what are the biggest struggles you're having right now trying to reach your goal of X? So you find out what their biggest goal is and, and then uh, ask them about the struggles for that. You also ask them, what are the things uh, that we aren't currently offering that you'd like to see from us? And then she talked about execution. She, she talked about how they compile repetitive problems that they see into categories in a spreadsheet, and then you just start attacking, attacking the most mentioned problems. She said that you get raving customers because you start with what they want. You ask yourself, what would solve this problem for them? You pick one thing, figure it out, and then give it to them. And then the punchline of her entire presentation was that the largest revenue stream that they've generated was that's driven that Inc. 500 growth to be number four. The largest revenue stream was hiding under requests that her customers were asking for that they weren't listening to. 
she said that that was the supplements and that became the, the quote, major, major majority of their business. For the next talk, Russell Brunson and Todd Dickerson came on stage and they invited Stu McLaren to come. And Stu is one of the experts in teaching about membership sites. And Stu's also created a charity called Village Impact. And ClickFunnels has been a very active participant in Village Impact. In fact, they've been generating or donating $1 for every funnel that's been created to Village Impact. And as part of this presentation, they gave a check of more than $200,000 to Stu. And that money is used to build schools and, and a library and things like that to educate um, impoverished people in Ken Kenya. The other charity that Russell supports a lot, ClickFunnels gets behind, is Operation Underground Railroad. They talked about a documentary, It's Happening Right Here, that, that shows the tra human trafficking that's happening right here in the United States. They talked about a new Save a Child Challenge game and uh, encouraged all of us to do that. If you want to check that out, you can go to saveachildchallenge.com and get involved in helping prevent uh, human trafficking. Then we broke for dinner and there were breakout workshops and I chose to go to the workshop that was taught by Jim Edwards. And Jim Edwards is the author of Copywriting Secrets, the creator of uh, Funnel Scripts, a very good tool and education on, on how to write great copy for sales funnels and for emails and such, for ads. I'm gonna go a little bit higher level on Jim. He talked about one of the best hooks that he ever got was, quote, the blank secrets you're not supposed to know, right? So if you were doing a, a, a real estate funnel in, for realtors in New York, right? You might say the New York realtor secrets you're not supposed to know, right? And he talked about how that's converted very well for him. He talked about the hook story offer and and said how we're just one hook away, which is similar to Russell's, you're just one funnel away. He talked about funnel scripts and how that's kind of like Mad Libs where you fill in the blanks and then it helps you generate the copy you're looking for, very good copy. And we've used that, that software before as well. He talked about how the first thing that we have to do when we're writing great copy is to identify who our ideal customer is. He said when he first started consulting, people would ask him to review copy and he would dive into the copy and provide feedback assuming he knew who the, um, who the target audience was. And sometimes he got it right and sometimes he got it wrong. And so he said that the, the entrepreneur needs to pay the price to first figure out who is that ideal customer and make sure that the copy is being written uh, for that ideal customer. He talked about uh, the process that we need to go through to create this, this great copy. He said, number one, uh, what is the current identity of our ideal customer or how do they see themselves to be at present? Number two, he talked about the ideal um, identity that they're trying to become. Number three is the, the big result that they are trying to achieve. Number four is the focus, like, um, like their lens. Um, I'm just gonna skip through some of this. Number four is, he talked about how there's a big chasm between where they want to be and where they are. Number five, 
Um, he talked about what is the number one pain that you eliminate for your customer. Um, he, he gave a phrase, he said, he said, you can have it all without blank and, and asked us to kind of fill this in. And for each of these questions, he had us fill in the blank and then he used the answers kind of in Mad Lib style to show us different things we could do with it. Um, he said we need to, number six, identify the enemy. Who's your ideal customer's enemy, a person or a group? Said number seven, what do you sell? Number eight, what is the time frame? And then he took the answers from each of those and he showed us how he can plug them into a variety of different phrases we can use in many different ways. Um, it's kind of hard for me to explain it without showing those to you and, and taking you through a lot more detail. Uh, he talked about how the hook gets you to the batter's box. He said the hook is everything because without that, nothing matters. And it's the same thing when you're in baseball, right? If you never get up to bat, you'll never get a hit. You've got to at least get the hit and that's the hook. He talked about the power of being able to say your message in one sentence. And he took a couple of the different phrases, um, the answers that we had given him above and he plugged them in to create our one sentence. And he showed us all the different ways we can use that one sentence such as on social media, email signature, voicemail, um, end of an article, tagline for a product, and many other ways. Jim uh, talked about a time that he had a failure with an ad. And it was real early in his career, and, and uh, he was really concerned he was gonna have to go back to a, a minimum wage job. And, and instead, he asked himself, what would a great marketer do now? And he knew that he needed to create new variations of his headline. And so he tested and tested and tested new headlines. And he came up with a new headline for the exact same product that gave him a 500% increase in sales just by changing the headline. He said that his go-to headline, if he's not using funnel scripts, which is very rare, is to, to ask how to get and then fill in the blank with what people want the most without and then fill in the pain or the thing they want the least. Um, and he finds that that is, is one of his best go-to headlines. He talked about how to fly under the radar. Sometimes when people feel we're going into sales mode, they, they get defensive. And a way to kind of go in stealth mode with your clothes is by using the phrase, by the way, or, oh, before I forget, um, and then lead into your clothes. Uh, that's probably enough. He talked about a lot of other very valuable information. If you're interested in that, go check out um, Jim Edwards' site and uh, copywriting uh, funnels and funnel scripts. Uh, I, I do highly recommend both of those. Russell Brunson then took the stage for the final presentation of the evening, and he talked about virtual real estate secrets. And he talked about how he went to one of his friends who was a real estate investor and asked him, what are some of the traditional ways that people make money from real estate? And his friend told him there's wholesaling and there's fix and flip and there's buy and hold and there's creative financing. And he took him through some of those different ways that people make money in real estate. And then Russell asked himself, okay, how do we apply those same strategies people are using in the physical real estate world and how do we apply those in, in the funnel world, in the internet marketing world, how do we use those same strategies? And so Russell went out in preparation for, for this presentation and he created a bunch of uh, new funnels 
to, sh to show us these. And these are small recurring revenue streams. Some are fix and flips, but um, smaller revenue streams. But if you add a bunch of them together, they become a substantial source of income. Just like maybe having a rental property may only give you $500 a month of income. Um, but you add a bunch of those rental properties together and, and that can provide a nice income, recurring passive income stream for you. So Russell's trying to create that same recurring passive stream of income through funnels. And these are funnels that are created quickly, maybe in a weekend or a couple of days. And, and then you turn them over to a Facebook ad agency to run the ads into them. He talked about the tools that you need to fix that virtual real estate, just like with physical real estate, you may have to know how to lay tile and, and do drywall. With, with virtual real estate, you have to know how to do a funnel and copy and design and ads and generate traffic. He talked about some different places you can go to buy sites that other people have created, but they didn't know how to do all of those things. They may have done all the work and created the site, but didn't know how to market the site or didn't know how to do a funnel to optimize the average cart value. Uh, he recommends that you look at Flippa or Shopify Exchange. And then he went through seven different case studies where he taught different concepts of, of how to generate that revenue. He gave an example of flossandties.com, one that he created and, and how they created a, a, a product. They bought a product at the beginning, the dimple clips that create dimples on your ties and sold those first and then would upsell to the ties. He talked about in a second case study, finding a trend and he went to someone that was very knowledgeable in with internet trends and asked her about a current trends. And she told him that burlap bags was a current trend. So he went in, in 45 minutes and found a wholesaler who sold burlap bags. He started selling those and within 45 minutes had, had a site called burlapable up and going. In case study number four, he, he created a site called chickencoopsecrets.com and he went to clickbank.com and he searched for chicken coops and he went to the 40th page and, and saw people that had created content related to building chicken coops, but they had been unsuccessful in selling it. And so he licensed that, that product, the digital product for $1,000 and was able to sell that uh, through his funnel. He talked about ClickBank is the graveyard for hundreds of thousands of dead funnels. For case study number four, he talked about Vigon.com. Um, he, he bought that site from someone else. He added a five-minute perfect webinar to it, fixed it up, and has a, a recurring source of income now, although he thinks he, he might sell that one. Next one, case study number five, is a buy and hold, and this is a company he loved called ZumaJuice and it's a green juice company, and they produced a video that they spent a lot of money, maybe $100,000 producing. And during COVID, that company went out of business, and he was able to buy that company and, and uh, apply the knowledge that he has to, to make that company more valuable and get that company going again. He gave the analogy of finding a Rembrandt in the attic. He said, you, you might go around with a realtor and, and lots of people might look at one specific house and that house might be worth $250,000. But you might go up in the attic and you see that there's a Rembrandt in the attic. And because you know 
what a Rembrandt is and you know how to identify that work of art, you know that house is worth $4 million. So you can offer $2 million on the house and still make millions of dollars of profit um, because you know about the Rembrandt in the attic. So he encouraged us to look for Rembrandts in the attic. Look for businesses that you can buy and acquire and take your knowledge and expertise in funnel building and, and marketing and such and be able to to take something that does not cost very much and turn it into something that is far more valuable. He gave an example of a bone broth company um, that he loved that had closed during COVID and he was able to take that over by continuing the oper by guaranteeing the continued operation of the finances of that company. Um, so that was his, his creative financing case study. Uh, he didn't have to buy the company. He just had to, to give them the funding they needed to be able to keep going. And he was able to get control of it. And, and then in case study number seven, he gave the example of physical front end trip wires. So that's where you give away something small at the beginning, but you use that to build an audience. And he gave the the example of Perry Belcher, who is a famous internet marketer, um, who sold hats that just said CEO on them. And Russell was so confused about, you know, how does that help you? How are you making money? You're, you're just selling one thing in the funnel. There's no upsell. And when he spoke to Perry, Perry explained to him that um, who buys hats that say CEO on them, they're CEOs. And then he uses the the list that he's generated of the CEOs to sell them a whole bunch of other products and, and uh, make a bunch of other offers to them. So Russell took that same strategy and he bought a company that sells t-shirts to entrepreneurs. It's a company that has over uh, 100 different t-shirts designed for entrepreneurs. And Russell didn't really care that much about generating money from, from the t-shirt sales, although that's, that's a bonus. But what he cared about was generating leads that could then fuel his, his core business, you know, selling the software and the education and other things that he does in, in ClickFunnels. Um, so that was, that was the end of Russell's presentation where he talked about fixing and flipping small cash flow funnels. And that is the end of my key takeaways from Funnel Hacking Live 2021, day one. And uh, tomorrow we start at nine o'clock in the morning and I will be taking notes and I will join you tomorrow after uh, the conference is over. I don't know exactly when that will be, but I will be going live and giving you my, my key takeaways from tomorrow as well. And our team will also be uh, taking this live and they will be uh, producing several other things with it, such as a blog and a podcast and such, and, and pushing those out. So if you're not watching this live and seeing that in the other channels, you're, you're seeing that after the day. So uh, thanks for joining me for this live stream of Funnel Hacking Day 1, and I wish you success as you uh, work to implement these, these key takeaways and grow your business. Thank you very much.